This is Infants on Thrones. The philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Osland, and today is part three of the Seven Deadly Heresies conversation. We've got Mike Tannehill back with Bob and Randy and John and myself. And in this episode, we tackle number three and four of the Seven Deadly Heresies. So we'll be coming back for more. This has been a fun uh, series to, to work on. And several of you listeners have sent uh, material about Eugene England and Bruce R. McConkie and an exchange that happened between the two of them right before this speech was given in 1980-81, whenever it was, and uh, some interesting bits of the story there that we, we will address in future installments of this Seven Deadly Heresies series. So thank you for those listeners who are sending us information. If anybody else has anything more, any other insight that you can let us know, um, it's looking like you know, there's still this question that I have, who made the changes between what Bruce R. McConkie initially said and what what ended up being published in BYU Studies? Was that something that McConkie himself made, or uh, is it changes that were made by people at BYU? I'm still not totally clear on that. Um, I have a hard time thinking that McConkie made these changes. But uh, if anybody has any more insight on this and wants to add to it, we'll continue to record these for the next uh, oh, month or two and just keep chasing this rabbit down the hole because it's fun. So uh, an- another reminder, May 2018 is going to be another listener essay contest. That will start uh, within the next couple of days. And I already have several uh, listener essays that have been submitted. If anybody has one that they want to add, um, you know, just reach out, email. There's still time uh, within the next week or so. Uh, but the further we get into May, uh, the, the less likely it will make this contest. And, and uh, you know, but we'll do another one once we get enough essays. So uh, thanks again for listening to Infants on Thrones. Uh, pitch for Patreon. Please come and support us on Patreon if you haven't already. It helps keep what we're doing, doing, going, and uh, appreciate it very much. So now, without any further ado, I give you the Seven Deadly Heresies, Part 3. So what I'm, what I'm planning on doing with the, uh, the second one that, that we recorded a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll release our general conference episode this upcoming Sunday, and then... Immediately after that, we're going to do like a week of Tannehill. So, oh, I, nice. I, I, yeah. So, so I like. I, Does I he know? Back, <laughs> so I, I I went back and I, I I pulled out the six or so episodes that Mike's been on with Infants on Thrones, going back to the the uh, Abraham one that we did for Mormon Expression. <laughs> oh, that one was uh, terrible. No, it was great. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And and uh, like the one that we did on apostasy, and then I'm listening right now to the, the signs of the times one, Bob, where you and Logan had like a little segment you were t- talking about. It's so fun to go back and listen to that. Oh stuff. my gosh, I forgot about that. I know, and it's actually good. I'm like surprised. <laughs> That's like before people listen to us, before we had dozens and dozens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. I'm glad to, that you're reaching back and throwing them in. Um, now I want to re-listen and see how, how we sound. If, yeah. If, uh, do, you, do you feel yourself agreeing or disagreeing with yourself from back then? Are you like, oh, I wish I would have thought of 
this or said this differently or I'm in a different place now? Or are you like, yeah, pretty much the same? Uh, mostly the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and Mike, actually, I kind of caught you. Um, because re remember last time I said, you know, what I'm most interested in is where you disagree with McConkie and the, uh, the signs of the times you totally disagree with McConkie. You're, you're all uh, into that Crowther's guy. You're like, oh, oh we're, we're at the beginning of the, the cycle of the signs of the times, you know, where McConkie's like, it's almost here. We're at the end. Like, nah, I'm going to go the Crowther's route. So that was oh. interesting to me. Huh. Yeah. That's so technicality. You got to check yourself there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to repent or something. Or something. <laughs> and and, and we, there was also the, the episode um, that we did on apostasy. And the things that you were talking about apostasy, like – what would be some indications that an institution is going apostasy? And you're like, well, if they start softening their language or things, then blah, blah, blah. Then <laughs> like years now. later with the essay, <laughs> like right now. exactly what happened. You got to splice that together, Glenn. Oh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it's right there. You got it. Oh, that's great. How you doing, Randy? <laughs> I'm doing good. And it's, it's good to hear Mike's uh, upgraded somewhat from his tin can on a string. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, was that it was really that bad? Yeah, oh, it's just terrible. Radio it's terrible. call in. I mean, terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to to do some things to fix that before it's published. But oh dang! Oh, yeah, it's not a problem. It, it this is better though. Oh yeah, a little. Okay, a little. A little. It's louder. I think it's a little clearer. It's like yeah, it's like infants circa 2013. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like sci-fi Tannehill. <laughs> Yeah, from his from his own planet. Um, so so maybe we can start by uh, discussing uh, the Facebook ban, Mike. Oh, uh, you want to go there? <laughs> Mike's banned from Facebook for thirty days. Thirty days. Randy, again. Randy's been there. You've had a Facebook ban, right? Oh, you guys are in good company. Look, you're like best buds. Uh, this is like this is like my fifth uh, or sixth one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I'm not that league. Oh, that's old news for you then. Never I think mind. it's my third 30 day. I think if do you, you get 12, you get banned for life or something. Do you, do, you get a, do you keep a running tally of what the offense was? Can you just like go down the list with us or no? Oh, I can't remember. They go way back. Okay. Well, my, What's this my, one? My band, just, just my one band. And then you can, Mike can tell his, uh, his Hall of Fame. <laughs> career uh I, I got banned because i went batshit on a liberal mormon group uh called mormon hub about oh, yeah. about cussing and and why the fuck it's not a big fucking deal oh no yeah and uh so i got banned uh, by facebook you mean uh, fucking banned i got fucking banned yeah couldn't access facebook on on vacation Wait, but like, you were globally banned because you know facebook's an open platform you can say fuck anywhere you want so you you screwed up in one tiny group with a thousand people and then you can't use the whole product that seems a little well, I, don't, I don't know how it worked back in like 2011 but uh the somebody reported or somebody complained about me in my language and that's all it took wow wow that seems really like a low bar yeah, I mean that was 2011. I don't know if it's different now. 
How about you, Mike? Maybe you, you have insight into this because it's, has, have they ratcheted up their standards or anything? Or Well, th this one, I, I think it just, like he said, it depends on the group and if they want to cast you out or something. But uh, somebody had mentioned how gays can't give blood and he, he was all offended and upset about it. And I just stated what the rule is that if, if you're an active homosexual, you tend to be very successful to STD. So they just give you a 12-month lead time. And, and I just said that. And Whose rule is that? And but but what? The, uh, uh, with government. It's a it's a global thing. It's not an American thing. It's all over the world. If you if you've had sex in the past twelve months as a gay man, you can't get blood. That's all over the world. And you just mentioned that. Did you say it like that, or did you say it with some colorful language? <laughs> uh, I think I said. Uh, active Stop baiting him. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I said active homosexuals tend to have tend to be riddled with STDs, so they can't get blood. I said right, that, that that's riddled. worse than well, that riddled is like, with. Oh riddled. my god! Jeez, that's, that's that's inaccurate. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's why they can't give blood is because they're they're more susceptible than others, so they just do a glo a blanket ban. Uh, John, can you address that, please? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know about it being global. I know that in the U.S., I mean, I haven't been around trying to give blood in other countries, but. Um, it definitely is true in the U.S. Um, gay, gay, gay people can't get blood. Yeah, but that's as far as it goes, no, right? No, what I'm talking about the are gay people more more uh, is it more prevalent with gay people to have STDs than with straight people? I, I depending on where you are in Africa, obviously is where the highest percentage of people you know with you know with HIV are, and and it's it's definitely in the heterosexual community very high percentage there. Um, but in in the United States, it's, uh, HIV is going to be higher in the gay community. So yeah, mm. the percentage. I mean, it doesn't mean that there's even anyway, now. It, it, yeah, but I, I anyway, it, it, we we are probably you know this ban was I think uh, initially made in the eighties you know, like in the act. Yeah, exactly in the actual in the time period. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't I haven't I haven't personally looked into it because I mean this is a way of me getting out of ever having to give blood. <laughs> <laughs> no, <so. laughs> I mean, and so I, I haven't, I haven't felt enormously put upon by it, and have actually done the research. I do know that you can't do, I can't give blood. So, all right, that's I, that. I re well, I remember I gave blood a lot back in the day, mm -hmm. and they, one of the questions was, "Have you had sex with a man in the yeah. last like whatever?" And I'm like, "That's a weird question, but no." <laughs> Did you go ask? So. What kind of what? what well, is this? I never said I never said yes, so I never found out what happened after that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so much right. like McConkey, I've been banned for tone, not content. Well, yeah, you, you said it both. two different ways. Because Mike, you said it two different ways, and one of the times I was like, "Oh, you didn't say anything," and then you're like, "Well, I might have said it like this," and I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> I oh. see." Play the tape. <laughs> <laughs> Because gay people roll around in the gutter so much, <laughs> they can't give blood. All right. Uh, as fun as okay. this is to talk about. Yeah, right. Um, uh, let, let, let's, let's start just, um, Randy, you, you weren't part of our last uh, conversation when we went over evolution and, and uh, the deadliest of heresies number two. <laughs> you could listen to it and you had some I listened to it. Did, yeah. did, is there anything you want to, like... Uh, Correction things that you want to correct or oh, is there in this? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna rehash that whole thing. But I mean, this I mean, you want me to like comment on an hour and a half? 
You know, so, he just wants you to tell everyone I'm, what you texted me. <laughs> I'm just giving you a courtesy nod to start us off if there's something that you're interested in talking about. That's all. I think I think John uh, covered it pretty well. Um, I don't I don't know if you would have been or if he was as articulate as I would have been. I see about it, but uh, but he's right about scientists that like the, the the mistake of calling it a theory, like the PR mistake. It's not it's not like someone's because there's all these definitions hypothesis theory and scientists try to be you know all rigid on how they define things but for a p from a pr perspective the theory of evolution is as robust as a theory of gravity but we call it the law of gravity and it should really i agree with john it should be called the law of evolution um that aside the thing that went unchallenged that bothered me, the only thing I'm going to really mention out, uh, is this fucking remarkable. Oh God, I said remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> that invalidates anything you were about to say. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love, I love to see John stifle a smile on that. But <laughs> like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dignify hey, that comment with a laugh. I didn't but. say anything. I know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't laugh. No, <laughs> I talked. Uh, try anyway. again. Try again. All right. So reset. The thing that bothered me was that Mike just threw out this ridiculous story of a, a, a Neanderthal living in a cave in Russia in the <laughs> mid-19th century. And everyone just kind of let it go. <laughs> oh, oh, you sent me a link. Wow. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous, like, uh, tale, tall tale about probably, you know, what's most likely happened here was it was a sub-Saharan African slave that ended up in Russia and was the subject of terrible persecution. And then over generations of retelling the story, morphed into this, you know, hairy monster. No, that, the reason uh, that there were live people that, uh, yeah, and I saw them, they, I hung around. It's the mid-19th century. I know the fucking story. And it's a fucking <laughs> stupid story. How the fuck do you, like, put your pants on in the morning and believe a story like that? You know, I mean, that, the thing that's that's terrible about that story is it's probably a really tragic story about terrible persecution of uh, a sub-Saharan African slave. And you were using it as if there's this one Neanderthal that, yeah, I don't know, do they reproduce asexually, Mike? No, there was actually a bunch and they killed a bunch of the others. Oh my God. <laughs> what was the point of that story? Yes, context, please. Like, the, the, the point of the, the point story of was that ne Neanderthals weren't in the distant, far distant past that they had been existing, coexisting with sapiens for the last, you know, several thousand years. So who's on what side and what does it have to do with the Garden of Eden or just like loop it back to Mormonism? For it, it's, well, it's, a, it's another way of being able to not deny evolution. Oh. Yeah, so he's trying to tie hominids into after 6,000 years ago. Mm. That's what, and ah, er, okay. Er, okay, all okay. So, like nine or hundred percent of scientists know that uh, Neanderth uh, Neanderthals went extinct twenty thousand years ago. We killed them all off. Right. We interbred with them for a period of time before twenty thousand years ago, but eventually we killed off all the the pure Neanderthals, and um, and that's why we have two percent. Like a lot of us have like two percent Neanderthal DNA. Okay. But there, there, there was no like pockets of Neanderthals in Russia in the 19th century, and like just to do just the most rudimentary 
uh, uh, you know, uh, vetting of that story shows how stupid it is, despite everything else. And it went unchallenged, and it bothered me. <laughs> I, I, Especially since it's I a terrible tell. story. It's yeah. a terrible story that people have co-opted for their, you know, small-minded, you know, ignorance like mike i guess i just took it a different way when when i heard that story i was like all right whatever but that doesn't invalidate that they whatever neanderthals were around 100 years ago i i'm just saying like whatever it doesn't change it's not like it's not like a silver bullet that like hey you got your facts i got my facts no i'm just saying it didn't do much for me the the other direction even if it were true i wouldn't it wouldn't like change the evolution i don't know I didn't. As far that, as Bob's concerned, if Jesus was riding around on a dinosaur, that doesn't change a thing. <laughs> Evolution's still the same. John said it precisely. Oh, that 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 should be in in no. uh, the Kung Fury sequel that they're making. Jesus riding a dinosaur, Kung Fury. There you go. Oh. Like it. All right. Well, now that we have that out of the way. Yeah. All right. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna, take, I'm gonna tone it down from here on out. If you can't say something nice. Jesus was thousands of years from the time of the flood. There wouldn't have been any dinosaurs from the ride. There you go. All right. The flood. I love I love that. How did the, the Neanderthals flood. get get through the flood, Mike? How did this Neanderthal woman in Russia get through the flood? Because they were just degenerates. They they just oh. they, 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 they like hang on to the outside flood. of the ark? I, <laughs> snorkel the whole time no it's just a degenerate tribe so the whole tribe was on the ark no, i don't no, get it they, so they're descendants from shem ham and japheth but they have degenerated exactly their forms so in other words they're not it's not and it's not a anyway alternate species it's a, anyway uh, thank you very much that's one theory okay well right. no it's uh, but not at the same levels the theory of evolution <laughs> just to be clear we're using the same word theory i know that's the problem that's that's the problem yeah all right all right so i i haven't even looked ahead to know what three and four and these other heresies good one. heresy three there are those who say that temple marriage assures us of an eventual exaltation there are those who say the temple marriage assures us of an eventual exaltation. Some have supposed that couples married in the temple who commit all manner of sin and who then pay the penalty will gain their exaltation eventually. Some have supposed that couples married in the temple who commit all manner of sin and who then pay the penalty will gain their exaltation eventually. This is contrary to the whole system and plan that the Lord has ordained under which we are privileged to work out our salvation with fear and trembling before him. This notion is contrary to the whole system and plan that the Lord has ordained, a system under which we are privileged to work out our salvation with fear and trembling before him. If we believe and obey and enter the waters of baptism and make solemn covenant with the Lord to keep his commandments, We thereby get on a straight and narrow path which leads from the gate of repentance and baptism a very great distance to a reward that is called eternal life. 
And if we traverse the length of that path going forward and upward and whatever it says and onward, keeping the commandments, loving the Lord and doing all that we ought to do, eventually we will be inheritors of that reward. Boy, I'm bored already. Is that, is that all that this one is? Well, there's, there's what's the big controversy here? here. Yeah. Help me, help me, help me. Well, I, I think that there, there's two ideas, possibly two ideas here, but the first one, um, uh, this is one that I don't know, I, I heard for the very first time, because I've always said ceiling is absolutely, totally meaningless. It has no, there's nothing to it at all, because uh, it doesn't matter if you're sealed at all, because if you are, then end up in the celestial kingdom and all your people you're sealed to are in a lower kingdom, that, what, what does sealing ever do? It's worthless. And someone says, no, no, Mormons don't believe that. If you're, if you're sealed and you're the, the patriarch of the family and you make it in the celestial kingdom, then all the people you're sealed to, you're going to pull them up with you or something like that. I'm like, what? No. That's a heresy. That is, that, so I'm with McConkie on that. So in other words, because because what McConkie's saying here is ceiling is totally meaningless. You, you have, <laughs> Not whatever, sure that's what he's saying. Him, yeah, no. that's the <laughs> what's, what's the implication of it? Because if you, if you don't, uh, you're not, you know, just because you're sealed to somebody, it doesn't matter. You'll be in a different kingdom and so therefore be separated in the afterlife. I think he's setting up a straw man. I've never heard this. This is like Mormons aren't, aren't evangelicals. Like, well, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. No, I, I had to correct this in a, in a gospel doctrine class one day because they're talking about you know, once you're sealed, you're you're good to go for the celestial kingdom, and it's no, no one no, believes that. The the people in that class that day. They... <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fundamental tenet of Mormonism that salvation and exaltation are completely different. We get one free pass, and that gets us hardly anything. I mean, we get resurrected regardless of how shitty we are on this earth or whatever. But then, in terms of exaltation, that's completely contingent upon all the check boxes. I mean, that's like. That's how you live Mormonism. There would be no point feeling guilty or th- I, I just, I don't know who these Mormons are that are like, all I got to do is get to temple marriage and then I'm out. And then it's just, it's just women and, and uh, <laughs> beer and what else? Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, who, what Mormon is that? That is, that's like a straw man. No, no Mormon thinks like that or lives like that. Right. Well, oh, they, they, that people do. They just think it's like it's like baptism. You get saved in Christ's kingdom, and and you, you're automatically with your wife forever. And it, it it's entirely different. The baptismal covenant teaches you to be like Christ. The Abrahamic covenant teaches you to be like the Father. Mm. And so you you go to the kingdom you have prepared yourself for. Because like like they talked about in the other uh, heresy, you you are resurrected with the body you have prepared yourself, and you you are. You were exalted with the way you prepared your spirit. I will say there is some anxiety with this doctrine in so much as when you're married, you always think you're on the same page. So I don't know if you guys ever had the feeling of like, wait, am I, am I doing better or worse than my, my wife? Is she, you know, like, is she going to bring me up or am I going to drag her down? Cause we can't exactly be exactly the same with our thoughts and everything that we think God is all knowing and watching. So one of us oh, is going to come on, Bob. But when one is ahead, they pull the other forward. No, there's no doctor the other's for that. ahead, they pull the other forward. No, but no, it's, that's it's, heresy, it's... Randy. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't tap work that way. Ceiling doesn't do anything. No, I, I'm just trying to say contained to the two people, I think there's something here, but it's, it's like minimal. It's just degrees of righteousness. But there's no, there's no doctrine that says you check out after you get, you get to the temple and then 
and then you don't have to follow any rules or yeah how's this a heresy like this isn't taught anywhere why is he worried about this doctrine like i've never heard this doctrine right yeah it's a thing there's those that believe it's a what i i still don't understand what what heresy he's i was totally told recently by some mormons who are like no if i if if you if the whole point of sealing in the temple, they said, is that if the one one family member or whatever then goes to the celestial kingdom, they're going to pull them all in there with you. What? <laughs> Never heard that. That's so I crazy. know, but, but, okay. we, was, but we talked me... about that. We we like Faust gave a talk about this. How you're sealed, to people. There's like part of the Abrahamic covenant is that you're always going to be connected, even if your kids go by the wayside. Oh, what's that quote? I used to have that written down. That's I know we did a right. podcast about it. So, so Mike, tell me, tell me if my dad is a heretic, <laughs> um, because he's a faithful uh, Latter Day Saint, uh, sealed in the temple. Um, he, he, you know, ten years a seminary teacher, institute teacher. Um, so my dad believes because of what Robert Millet's, you know, some of Robert Millet's teachings. Uh huh regarding uh, the gospel. And so Robert Millet teaches that, uh, and he uses, he uses quotes from David O'McKay and others that, you know, me and my older brother who have left the church and become atheists um, because he, my father and my mother uh, were sealed in the temple. And because they have been true to the covenants of the temple, eventually, no matter what, all the kids will be dragged (laughs) against their will to the celestial kingdom, but they will not receive the fullness of glory that, you know, we'll, we'll be in a lesser kingdom of the celestial kingdom. But if my parents, the power of the ceiling combined with my parents, um, diligence and adherence to the covenants, their kids will eventually, and they don't have to be alive for it, Mm. but we'll, we'll, we'll all eventually come back. So you have no free agency. That's great. That contradicts like only the foundations of all of Mormonism, but sounds great to your dad. <laughs> it does. It, it no, just, like, just like our father in heaven has kingdoms, celestial, terrestrial, telestial, etc. <laughs> your parents will have kingdoms and you will, you will be tied to their household. I want so to hear like, more about like legacy. kingdoms, Mike. So it's like the legacy. One. That's why, you know, it's, I, I'm going to get into a better school because my parents are in a, you know, a higher... What? higher level in the caste system and no, you, because you of their influence i know uh, but i'll still but my station will be better because of my parents yeah you'll be part of their household but you are still going to be you with the resurrected body you receive so they'll still have they'll have like a hell and so they'll have a lots of degrees of because randy's going to be pretty low in his family's jail cell that they have set up for him so they can go see him but it's not like he gets a pass on all the sins he's creating and or, or committing right now right right there'll be parts of the house he can't go into because all of them to be there he'll be like in a padded room by himself solitary confinement randy's a pretty bad guy when it comes to like more but you gotta you gotta remember this is like a padded cell in the in the four seasons <laughs> that's true <laughs> you're gonna be just like all of the crown prince of saudi arabia's relatives you're just gonna be sitting there in the oh. Hyatt Regency, Riyadh, <laughs> right with your, har- with your harem i'm like one of those guys i'll still have access to my to my prostitutes <laughs> Interesting. I think we cracked it. I think I think we solved it for both sides. Uh, okay, ceiling makes sense. <laughs> what were you asking about, Glenn? Glenn. Well, you you, you said uh, the the different 
the different kingdoms, celestial, terrestrial, celestial, et cetera, et cetera. And I wanted to hear more about the et cetera, et cetera, because I thought oh, you discovered it. But, are, uh, there, are there like three kingdoms? It's just a little, just a little you know, flippant comment. The, that There's degrees within the celestial kingdom, right, Glenn? So there's three degrees in there too. Right. I suppose, yes. <laughs> yeah, the, the servant Randy degree. That he's not allowed to go into the bedroom. Celestial eunuch degree. That ran I think that's right. <laughs> well, will I have celestially unsullied? Will I be able to reproduce, Mike? Will I have a penis? No. no. Do you now? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't this the problem with Mormonism, where we only have a certain piece of the doctrine revealed, and then anytime anybody extrapolates in either direction on that doctrine on a linear graph? You can be like, well, then this means this, and that means that. But then in the end, it's like, oh, but we don't really know. We only know that there are three degrees. Who knows if there are three degrees in the middle one? Probably, but that could be a heresy, even though it's like, why wouldn't you just assume that? But then you're not allowed to, right, Mike? You only are allowed to play with the doctrine that's revealed. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I think that's what it instilled correlation to get to quit GAs from uh, talking about those things. <laughs> What do you think? Everybody's going to write their own seer book. Do you, you think, think correlations was a good thing overall? No, I can't stand correlation. <laughs> okay. I, I hate it. <laughs> so you're, you like extrapolation. You like taking little nuggets of doctrine and then just like multiplying yeah. them a few times out. Yeah, but you have to multiply it with real math. You can't just be uh, doing common core correlation. Oh. So what, what's your, I mean, because a guy, you know, a guy like Cleon Skousen. That's a, that's, that's, that's a, <laughs> that's a strong that's a strong correlation. <laughs> Don't take it too literally. <laughs> I wasn't. What? I was taking it as a, a whatever an analogy. Okay. <laughs> so, Mike, what's your what's your take on the extrapolations of Cleon Skousen? I I started reading one of his books and I ended up putting it down because I just couldn't take it. He 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 really reached a little too far in in some of his stuff. So there are limits. What's that? There are limits. Like you yeah, can't... There, there are limits. Okay. Skousen went a little too far for me. I you know why I there's could... limits for you? Because when you take it too far, it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> but you do, do you remember what any of those limits were, Mike? Like what, what were the things that just weren't sitting right with you? And, and Randy, I don't, I don't even know that much about Skousen. Like, it was 10 years ago, but I think it was the first 2,000 years or something like that I was reading. And yeah. He's just reaching too far. I, I don't oh, know exactly he was probably about. talking about evolution and trying to harmonize evolution. You're like, that's it. I'm putting the book down. <laughs> he right? did a lot with talking animals. There was a whole section on talking animals that he was really into. And it got, it just was too much for me. Mm. What do you think about resurrection and animals? Do you have an opinion? Cause that's an extrapolated doctrine. Well, isn't that in the, was it the teaching of the prophet or was it like DNC 130 or anything you could put your finger next to that has sense enough to move will be resurrected. I was, I was told, Mike, that grass blades will be resurrected. Grass blades. Isn't that just part of the earth as a whole? Like, I, isn't that just like a hairs on your head would be grass on the earth? Oh, huh. could be. But I always, I always, this is just personal Mike Daniel theorizing. Was that? Uh, <laughs> it's got to qualify it. <laughs> no, that's good. Like, like all the planets in the solar system with all the things that are going to have to be resurrected will be spread out on the solar system because they can just live on other planets when they're celestial material. So it's not like the atmosphere is going to hurt them. 
So like all the little tiny insects and bugs, if there's too many of them, it would just go on to other planets. So are you saying the that the, 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 the celestialized Earth is going to be the same size and all of humanity can fit, but somehow the bugs can't? Well, that's what I'm saying. You break it down because if it's celestialized, then the celestial will stay here. And you think it's small enough that it's going to be a population that... Uh, There's a lot of bugs, Bob. Why? <laughs> Why a lot of bugs? <laughs> what is the purpose of resurrecting every last cockroach? I mean, if you're going to resurrect humans... Is bacteria going to be resurrected? Viruses? Good question. Good question. Uh, what about, Mike, what about Jesus dying for people on other planets? I don't buy that. Okay. I think... Well, I think Jesus? Different Jesus on the other planets? I thought no, our world was the only one wicked enough to crucify our God. Yeah. No, they, they, everything happens within a sphere. So all the souls meant to come to this planet uh-huh. are dealt with Christ. I don't, I don't see him going into other spheres of influence. That doesn't, who, that doesn't make any sense. But then what, do, what does God do for those other spheres of influence? Other Christ they would figures? Have a, they would have their own savior. So, so he's not the only begotten. There's lots of only begotten. It's kind of a paradox, right? Here in this sphere oh i like it you're more interesting than bruce r <laughs> bob you're lobbing them softballs for christ's sake <laughs> really yeah this heresy is really there's nothing there's nothing to it man there, there's still ahead. another paragraph though if somebody wants to finish it off and then we can move on to four uh and then exactly mm-hmm. and then and exactly, exactly precisely and the precisely the same sense celestial marriage is a gate that puts us on a path leading to exaltation in the highest heaven of the celestial world. And it is in that highest realm of glory and dignity and honor hereafter that the family unit continues and that those who so inherit receive the reward that is named eternal life. Baptism is a gate. Celestial marriage is a gate. When we get on the path, we are obligated to keep the commandments. And my suggestion in this field is that you go to the temple and listen to a ceremony of celestial marriage, paying particular and especial attention to the words, and learn what the promises are that are given, particularly learning that all of the promises given are are conditioned upon subsequent compliance with all the terms and conditions of that order of matrimony. Yeah. So just like, just like baptism, you have to adhere to faith and repentance and enduring to the end. And with celestial marriage, you have to live the covenants. But, if you don't live the covenants and the lessons not learned uh-huh. and, and you don't receive the Holy ghost that sanctifies you to keep that promises linked to that covenant. But I have a question for you. So what's the point of the concept of a gate? Because, hear me out, if we exist forever and there's a gate you go through so that you're on the other side and then you're in, you're in, Mike. Then you can do whatever the fuck you want because you have all of eternity and there's a gate. No, because walking through the gate doesn't mean living in the house. Okay, whatever. You walk through the door of the house. I'm trying to say that unless you get rid of, unless you no, get rid of free agency, because Mike's going to answer by saying, no good person who gets into the celestial kingdom would ever do anything bad again, which sounds like then they're not acting, they have no, then they're no. just blobs. Going through the gate means like you got, you've been assigned a class at school. 
Uh-huh. Entering the covenant is like going to a class. You the highest the degree of the celestial kingdom is, is just getting into a class? I thought no. it was a bigger reward than that. Any, any covenant you make in the church is a class. It's a, it's a lesson that has to be learned. But he's talking about a specific reward. When you get to the highest degree of the celestial kingdom and you pass through that gate, aren't you free then? You're, you made it. You're in. What else is there? Well, but, well, but, wait, but, but wait, 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 Bob, 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 you're totally conflating like what he's saying the gate is. He's saying the gate is the, the, the ritual of being sealed in the temple. The, uh-huh. the gate is the, the ritual of receiving baptism. The gate is not receiving the fullness of exaltation which is the way that you're framing it. The gate lets you in. It doesn't say you get to stay in. Yeah. And even even, getting in the gate, you are outside the wall. You can't get in. So the gate is a one, it's one way in, but you can also fall out at any time. Right. Right. And that's the question then is then is the final gate is the fact that when you get a second anointing and you go through that gate uh, and then you transgress and fall and all that kind of thing. Does that mean you, since the church has already declared that your calling election was made sure uh, does that mean that you can still fall or is that gate once you're finally in there? Yeah, well, you, you guys are right. Like in this paragraph, that's what he's referring to. But I, I was just suggesting, I've heard this gate analogy taken to the nth degree. And the final gate is when you actually get into the celestial kingdom, the highest degree. And that's the gate that I'm most interested in because then you have all of eternity on the other side of it. But then somehow you're never going to make a wrong move in your life ever again. So there is something about Mormonism that is like endure to the end because the end isn't too far away, because then once you're through, you know, free pass, you're in. It's like, it's, it's like, uh, you, you got the. No, Bob, ticket. you just, you just don't get it, Bob. I think that Bob has a point, which is to say, since we're describing, since Mormon theology is about finite God beings, mm-hmm. you know, who at some point are, are increasing in knowledge and glory, and obviously, in all, on all of these infant juvenile paths of, of mortality, <laughs> you make mistakes. If, if at a certain point you are in the in the this kind of celestialized adulthood, and you can't actually make mistakes, or you actually never actually do make mistakes, then you really are past this point of where there's any point or meaning to the experience or free will or any of these kind of things, it doesn't make any, it, you know, at a, point, a certain point, it's an extrapolation that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And it's only for eternity, which is way more than the tiny piece that we're talking about now. Right. Well, Bruce, Bruce R. McConkie liked to say repeatedly in a number of talks is the most important thing you can do in the church is marry the right person in the right place by the right authority. Mm-hmm. Because what you're actually looking to do as a sealed couple is to create a little bit of the celestial kingdom here on earth so that your children and those you care about and you yourselves aren't. When you get to heaven, it's not a weird place. You've already lived there because you've already created a form of the celestial kingdom here on earth within the walls of your own home. Mm. So if you have learned that lesson, then you've prepared yourself for that place of exaltation you're talking about. It's like, it's like going to Disneyland for one day so that when you're stuck there and that's all you can experience is just Disneyland you're ready for it and you're used well, to it. What we need to keep in mind though, is that celestial kingdom isn't a utopia within heavenly father's household, Satan and the third rebelled and left. So that's part of what heaven is like that you're dealing with. It's, it's trying to bring order and peace to chaos. And hmm. it's not always successful. That's part of being God is learning to deal with failure. And, and there's no such thing as a utopia, even in heaven. So you can make mistakes as God. Well, is it a mistake or is it, is it you did the best you could and in this area it didn't work out? Even well, God, God gets banned from Facebook. 
Well, <laughs> but also, Mike, uh, God, God repented from his mistake, and and then had the fuck. That's a mistranslation. Yeah, it was Noah that repented. Yeah, God yeah. totally uh, fucked up with his creation. I don't think you've read the JST. Yes. <laughs> oh, look at the that. inspired version. It says very clearly, Noah repented, not God. There you oh, go. okay. So, but, just, but which, just so but which know, reading maybe. is historically accurate, John? <laughs> Joseph Smith. <laughs> Noah is not a historical person. Right, right, right. So no, but I, mean, but I mean, in the earliest translations of like uh, of the Bible of that story, is it God that repented or is it Noah that repented? Of course, the earliest manuscripts are. I mean, are of, co- of course that Noah did. The, the, the Joseph Smith translation does not. Um, it's called you know by scholars the Joseph Smith Bible revision because it, it does not in fact. Uh, get us anywhere closer to an earlier, the earlier, ver- earliest versions of the text. And so, what we've ended up finding out with manuscripts like the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, there has been surprisingly good textual transmission uh, that has brought us down to this. Things, the translations like the King James Bible aren't very good, but it's because of um, what the scholars were doing at the time of the King James Bible. They went back; they wanted to go from the original Hebrew, but they were going from bad, uh, late. Uh, Byzantine and, and anyway Jewish texts so they weren't doing it and, the, and same thing especially the Greek uh, they took it from the Textus Receptus so anyway the King James translation is actually pretty bad and the um, in, uh, the Joseph Smith Bible revision the J- JST is based on uh, the King James version with no input from any other sure. uh, ancient texts but, but, so, in the, but in this one specific case though john my understanding was that the earliest versions of the story were that that god looked at what he had done and he remorsed yeah, that's the actual bible that that's but, the yeah, actual but we were bible. talking about we were talking about mormon doctrine so the joseph smith translation is <laughs> right right but i was but i was wondering the earliest what, what was it isn't so i we the was, actual text is what yeah. it actually was then yeah. joseph smith fixed it <laughs> um, but that has no, that has no, um, you, gotta do, air, you gotta do air thing. quotes when you say fixed. Yeah. It fixes it because it doesn't make any sense theologically to us as moderns. Right. So it, when the, when the author of that component of the old Testament, uh, is writing that it's because they have a very different conception of God than let's say 19th century, especially Joseph Smith had. Right. So how many Bart Ehrman books do you have on your shelf behind you? Oh, oh my God! Are you kidding several. me? <laughs> I have several of them. Here's one. He he drives me crazy, but anyway, this That's is the one. one I got. Yeah, I have that one. You only have to. I mean, I'm going to tell people you only have to read one because he repeats himself over and over and over again. He's written twenty <laughs> books that are all the same. If you've so read got, one, you've read them one. all. Yeah, and that's and that's a good one. You should definitely read at least one. So, <laughs> but still, to me, I don't understand why he's so concerned about this because. In my Mormon experience, nobody taught this. Like once yeah. you're okay. once you're sealed, you're good. Like that's it. You know, you 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 made it. And that, I mean, that was not even close. Maybe he's just throwing it the in there because it's one that he can say for sure is bad because he wants to also tell everybody that anybody who believes in evolution can't be a good Mormon. And but, I've heard it in gospel doctrine class in the last five years. But but Randy, wouldn't you agree though that there is there is a hint of truth in in the extrapolation of it, like. Mormonism is based on dangling carrots in front of you and that you get a reward and it's mine and then I have it and it can't be taken away. So even though it's true that I haven't heard this in the context of just getting married gets you in a temple marriage, I have heard it in the context of like Mormonism are just just striving for that day when 
when it was all worth it and then they can just relax on the other side. And, and I see it as a warning against complacency. You know, so he's saying, don't think that just because you've done this. You like this one, Mike. Ceiling. Not, not the uh, Bart Ehrman. <laughs> he's holding up Joseph Smith's new translation of the Bible, original manuscripts. Yeah. <laughs> I, think nice I think you're right, Glenn. I think really go through right. all yeah, of it, stuff it, and, Like yeah. I, I had this conversation with my dad when I was 17 or 18 years old. And, and I, I think I said something like, I'm really content with the way things are going right now. And he just kind of like, oh, you don't ever want to be content. <laughs> uh, that's like you know because then you get complacent and then the devil comes in and you know wraps that flaxen cord around your feet at least you, you always making this show you always not, have to be not moving forward you're moving back if you're not swimming you're, you're yeah. that shark yeah did you guys did you guys ever hear the thing like oh and then once i get to the celestial kingdom and then i'll just that's when i'll that's when i'll relax like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah because because we be, we believed that um you know, once you get into the celestial kingdom, you get this like new resurrected body. That's not, you know, it's not this natural enemy to God, like in Mosiah three, um, you know, you get you're, and on top of it, you don't have Satan and all of his uh, minions whispering into your ear. So, you know, you say you don't have agency. You don't because it's the atmosphere is totally different. Like it's, you know, it would be like, completely idiotic to to go against god's will at that point because of all the the circumstances are so different yeah than than in the sliver of time that we have to to prove ourselves and to get ready to become gods you know one thing i, I think this could stem from is, is a is the abrahamic covenant isn't taught enough in the church it's mentioned people know about it have an idea about it but if they have better understood they know like you said that there's no free pass and they'd also understand that, like you said, there's, would you sin in the, in the celestial kingdom? Is that what you were just getting at once you're there? No, I'm just saying like your nature, it would be so against your nature plus you without any opposition, mm -hmm. you know, why would you sin in that, in that, uh, Well, that's the thing though. There's never going to not be opposition. Being God is learning to deal with the opposition. What opposition do you have? Opposition. Well, the gods that whole purpose is to go and bring order to chaos, whether it be physical chaos by making new worlds or spiritual chaos and bringing intelligence and enlightenment to spirits. But if you got supreme power, you know, what, what the fuck do you care? I mean, are oh, come you on, intimidated? Randy, you're losing Randy, all, you're, you're a God. You don't think you're going to have your own Randy's right. You, you, they, I, and they, I just they, go zap. Your Blood. heavenly father, Randy lost a third of the host of heaven. <laughs> Yeah, right. he's all so all powerful, which obviously he's not all powerful. We've already done. Then that, that does not happen. <laughs> my bar is twenty nine percent. I just want to be better than God, and then I'll be fine with my minions. Yeah, you know. You think you think it was exactly thirty three point three percent? Read the text, Randy. <laughs> third of those, a third of the stars fell. <laughs> now who? Now look who's the literalist. <laughs> <laughs> all right, number four. There are those who believe that the doctrine of salvation for the dead offers, offers men, a, men second a second chance for salvation. This is false, false, false. I know a man now deceased. I knew a man now deceased, not a member of the, church, member of the church, who was a degenerate old reprobate. <laughs> hang on, hang on, though. Before, before like, <clears throat> this is another edit that they made. I'm sure. um, so a after he says there are those who believe that the doctrine of salvation for the dead offers men a second 
uh, Chance for Salvation, he says, this, this is false, 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 false. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Hammers it. Wow. And BYU's like, eh, let's soften that blow a little bit. Oh, wow. my gosh. So, anyway, continue. All right. So this degenerate old reprobate who found, he found pleasure as he supposed. Who was a degenerate old reprobate who found pleasure as he supposed in living after the manner of the world. In living after the manner of the world, a cigarette dangled from his lips. Oh, the horror. Pinched his breath. A cigarette dangled from his lips. Alcohol stenched his breath. And profane and body stories defiled his lips. And profane and body stories defiled his lips. Randy, his moral status left much to be desired. His moral status left much to be desired. Is that most of that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You didn't even have to like challenge me. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you, yeah. When did you think you were going to turn into a god and then that was all going to go away? <laughs> um, <laughs> His Mike, wife, Mike's going to save me. Okay, good. His wife was a member of the church, as faithful as she could be under the circumstances. His wife was a member of the church, as faithful as she could be under the circumstances. One day she said to him, you know the church is true. Why don't you be baptized? He replied, of course I know the church is true. Of course I know the church is true. Oh, God, I hate this trope. But I, 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 I love these stories where like, they just they say all the right things that they're supposed to say. Of course, I know the church is true. How can I deny that the church is true? I'm just this is this, no, is this is this is a Jack Mormon, not an apostate. They yeah. love the Jack Mormons are way more comfortable for Mormons. They just like to mess with people. I wonder if like, uh, it would, or it's just a made up story. But well, that's true too. Or but made I'm up saying, detail. Wouldn't it be funny though, Glenn, if it wasn't made up and it was actually word for word how it really happened? But the guy in question was just like punking the apostle every time. And just being like, well, I know this is what you want the story to say. Anyway, he replied, of course, I know the church is true, but I have no intention of changing my habits in order to join it. I prefer to live the way I do, but that doesn't worry me in the slightest. I know that as soon as I die, you will have someone, to, you will have someone go to the temple and do the work for me and everything will come out all right in the end anyway. Just the perfect straw man example for this heresy of number four. There's no way that's real. No one ever said that. <laughs> if they did, they said a bunch of fucks in the middle too, because why not? 1950s Utah, when those, no social media, and he's growing up in a Mormon community, and this guy's a Jack Mormon. You don't think that could have been just yeah, the way no, he I said it? People, no! Were doing that in the early 20th century, though they had that sense, maybe some of them. Just probably not exactly. Words, as, a, as, a, as a cognitive dissonance, maybe, because in other words, on the one hand, they might, that's their, their Pascal's wager, you know, which is to say they. <laughs> They, on the one hand, they don't believe it. On the other hand, they like if even if it is true that that this is the that, there we are, you know. So mm -hmm. deathbed repentance is a thing. This is just the Mormon version of it. Yeah, after um, deathbed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I maintain my objections. <laughs> now, can you please read the original version and not what's written here? I know that as soon as I die, you will have someone go to the temple and do the work for me. And everything will come all out all right in the end anyway. He died, and she did. And it was a complete and total waste of time. And it was a total and complete waste of time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Uh, this is pure gibberish. Does okay. anybody have the original? No, let me read it. What, what it says here. He died and she had the work done in the temple. We do not sit in judgment and deny vicarious ordinances to people. But what will it profit him? Well, of course they don't want to. He, but, he, but he, did put not, that, he did not Mike, deny judgment. He said it was a complete waste of time. Mike is so offended by the lack of offended. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he says that, though. He's got to put that in there just so that people will go to the temple and do, do these stupid ordinances and feel like they're doing service. He, he doesn't want to discourage that. No, the church doesn't want to discourage that. That's why they changed well, he it. He didn't care about discouraging it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. 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 Truth doesn't care about your feelings. Right. Because none of those, none of, no temple ordinances mean anything. <laughs> because it doesn't, they're all, it's all, this, all this stuff is all meaningless. So anyway, that's the point. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, Healing doesn't bring you, your partner in. They're going to be in whatever kingdom. But God's a stickler. If you haven't done the paperwork, John, then there's no chance, there's no, there's no point in even trying to be good because there's no paperwork. That's it's kind yeah, of a, John. John, come on. Uh, it's like, you know, you want zero chance or do you want some chance? If you don't hmm. go through these ordinances, you got zero chance, no matter how good you are, but no I matter agree. how many lives you save, no matter how many lives you make better, no matter how much better you left the world than you found it. If you didn't do these, these legalistic little ordinances, you got zero chance. So you might yeah. as well give yourself some chance, John. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what all the Pharisees said to Jesus. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, you had to pull the Jesus card. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. If you, if you led a good and righteous life and you hadn't heard the gospel and then you received the gospel in the next world, when the Holy Ghost makes contact with you to seal the ordinance. If you are a righteous person, you will receive the full blessing of the ordinance. No, not that's with the no great, temple work. That's the great Mormon out is like, uh, all the good people will obviously accept it. No, Mike, when they don't have a body. Mike, if that were true, then, then all this temple expense and hamster wheel exercises that people do in there would be totally worthless if God just waves a magic wand for those that are good anyway, then may as well. No, but they have to accept the ordinance. You have to go through the ordinance to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that sanctifies you. But I thought you said that even if the, their paperwork wasn't in order, they could still no, get they it. Have to, they have to accept the, the order. The Mormons have to do the paperwork. Oh, okay, the other okay. people could, as long as they hadn't heard the gospel, they're off being gotcha. a good Tibetan monk. They die, and then Mormons do the paperwork, and they get in. Wait, they still need the paperwork. Okay, so the, the problem is with this guy who knew better in... in uh, Payson, Utah. It could have been Monticello. Uh, whatever. <laughs> and so then, and so, and, and so he knowed, he, so he, there's not, so that, so that lady wasted her time doing his work, <laughs> you know, that wasted the temple's time because they could have been doing a, a good Tibetan monk's work who didn't know any better and who was really good. <laughs> so. But Bob, I do like your, or no, it was, it was a Glenn. No, it was Glenn that made the point. It's like, I'm not making any judgments here, but it's a total fucking waste of time. <laughs> yep. I don't want to sound like a racist or anything, but I cannot stand the gooks. <laughs> but but it go. wasn't McConkie that was saying both things simultaneously. It was the BYU people that pulled out his judgment statement and then said, we don't want to judge. <laughs> so, so, so they swept it away and then they replaced it with the... We're not going to be like Brother McConkie. Let's not follow the example of that apostle. 
so bad. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a pasta just scene, Mike. exploded. <laughs> Is that the, that's the new Mike sigh? which is mostly uh reserved for uh how soft and mamby-pamby the church has become Mm -hmm. matriarchal even because all the strong apostates have left (laughs) Uh, this one keeps going who wants to there's no yeah go for it There is no such thing as a second chance to gain salvation. This life is the time and the day of our probation. After this day of life... You don't believe in second chances? Jesus. Fucking harsh. After this day of life, which is given to prepare for eternity, then cometh the night of darkness, wherein there can be no labor performed. Then cometh the night of darkness, wherein there can be no labor performed. For those who do not have an opportunity to believe and obey the holy word in this life, The first chance to gain salvation will come in the spirit world. If those who hear the word for the first time in the realms ahead are the kind of people who would have accepted the gospel here had the opportunity been afforded, they will accept it there. Salvation for the dead is for those whose first chance to gain salvation is in the spirit world. Salvation for the dead is for those whose first chance to gain salvation is in the spirit world. That was a really damaging doctrine for my testimony. Because, because, if I, because the way that I reasoned it, if, if you take that literally, God's saying, I, I know your heart. I know that if you would have been given the opportunity, you would have accepted it. So I'm going to give you a pass. And I'm thinking, why doesn't he just do that for everyone? If he's going to do that for the the vast majority of people who ever lived on this earth, why not do that for the elect? Or do it the other direction. Either everybody gets a chance on this earth and we're more than less than 1% of the population is Mormons or... Everybody gets to do it in the like. I hear you, Glenn. It's like, wow, yeah, it's pretty logically, inefficient. God, logically, <laughs> logically, the whole idea here is just totally senseless, right? Yeah. Because it's like the entire idea of the of the name of the podcast, Infants on Thrones, right? Because the idea of the name of the podcast is that if you successfully assassinate seven year olds or younger, they're all getting a you know instant pass up to to the celestial kingdom. And so, obviously, some in the same way that somebody had to volunteer to be um satan and somebody had to be lucifer uh uh adam judas oh judas to make the plans work if you just had you know one guy who ran around and killed all the seven-year-olds or whatever then you what a hero save everybody yeah and so and so in the same exact way you know it's absolutely senseless when we're talking about um like trying to create another uh mature god being that you spawn like a krill thousand, you know, 10 billion, billion spirits of which only a couple of them, you know, uh, go through this completely convoluted and not, not, not um, in any way. uh, There's no way the test is sensible in any way that is actually conducted in some kind of a, you know, like a scientific procedure where anything actually, you know, works in any meaningful way because all these people are over in Tibet or whatever are getting a completely (laughs) different test. China, India. And so it's just, it's, it's totally, you know, bizarre and meaningless. So if you're going to take this idea and make it be anything, the obvious idea is that the only 
child of actual child of God on this sphere, as we say, was Jesus, and Jesus had the test in Gethsemane, and and he passed, and everybody else is simply props, mm. you know. <laughs> Because what it, you know, and so then therefore there is one in, you know, like essentially there is God has spawned, he created a begotten son, that son didn't, you know, the thing passed for him. So this was the whole test and we're just all the props for it. And so we wouldn't exist as actual things, you know? Well, everybody at one time was Christian. Either be, take oh, really? it back to Adam not, or not the Mormons. Noah, they were Mormons all Christian. Christian. Yeah. And so when you're reviewing these lives, you're going to see the effects of the choices these men made as they pulled their family from the church and decided to go pagan or whatever they went and did. So everybody's going to be judged not only on their choices, but the effects those choices made to others. I want to decide to go pagan. I'd, I'd like to go pagan. I kind of, I kind of dig that idea. You, you know, the, 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 way, the, the way that it eroded my testimony was that I, I they're like this, Two positions. One, God is going to judge you by your works, and if you don't measure up, you're toast. Or he's going to judge you by you know your heart and give you a pass and give you the benefit of the doubt. And I leaned that direction. And the more I leaned that direction, the, the more all of these other really austere, scribble-in-the-lines kind of things became – I just became so aware that it was about maintaining power. It was about maintaining the power of the hierarchy and how threatening actually the atonement of Jesus Christ is saying this is a free gift of salvation to everybody because if it's free to everybody, then what the hell do you need the brethren and the priesthood for? And so you got to double down on these other things. Um, and, and, and so guys like McConkie want to reel everybody back in. Don't get too complacent. Don't think you've got it made. Don't think that you don't need us. Don't think that you can go off on your own. Don't think you can get off the ship. You know, all, all this stuff. That, that, was, that was just a real... You took it that way? Yeah. Why of course. Wouldn't he? Of course. <laughs> but be, because how compassionate is it, Mike? How compassionate and how wonderful is it that people who didn't have an opportunity to hear the gospel will get that opportunity later? And that, as it says in here, God knows their heart if they would have accepted it he knows and he gives them that pass and that's that is wonderful beautiful that is love so what's the other one the people within love, what's the other one the people within my control and power must um, submit to my will and power uh, you know that, that that's not, that's really the no, gist no, of no, it no, no, mike no. you're you're going off some weird direction it, it's just a matter of principles and 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 I'm like, it is. You're asking, what, it what is. The principle is compassion. And, and, okay. and the what, message, what if, if, see, this, this is, like I said it on the last podcast, taking things too literally is a stumbling block. Because if you take this really literally, you, you run into all these logical inconsistencies. But if you look at it as a metaphor, there's a lesson in there to say, we don't know. We're not God. We shouldn't judge. Let God work out whatever the intentions of the heart is and just be forgiving to people. You don't try to control them. Just be forgiving. Trust yeah. in God's love. And that was a much more comfortable space for me to be in, but I wasn't allowed to be in it in, in the Mormon church. They're always, no, no, don't get complacent in God's love. That's Satan trying to deceive you. That's everything's okay. It's not okay. You got to take a sacrament every week, every week. Hey, Mike, uh, if, if you're the God of your, let's talk about your own sphere. 
Okay. So you got, you got your own solar system. There's only one planet that has intelligent life. Uh, let's say your solar system has 12 planets and one <laughs> of them has intelligent life. Um, what is the point of having all of this uh, comprehensive legalistic structure that only affects a fraction of a percent of the whole population of the planet that has intelligent life. What's it, why implement all of these, these legalistic like hoops you have to go through when such a small percentage goes through it and then the rest get a pass. If they're good. Well, look, look, How efficient is the, that? The legalistic stuff you're talking about is, are you talking about baptism and, and yes. marriage? I'm talking about all of the, the things that the church controls. Like if, if you if you don't have a temple recommend, oh. you can't go to your sister's wedding, kind of shit. I'm just talking about like all the hoops you, you have to go, to go through to to be <laughs> <laughs> all the hoops you have to go through to obtain exaltation when what it affects. Hoops? You're, you're what, talking about lifestyle principles. You're talking about principles of behavior, basic principles of behavior, like you said, I know. loving, kind, forgiving. But uh, only the Mormons are unfortunate. Only the Mormons aren't fortunate enough to have to go through all those hoops when 99% of the population that's ever lived, and, uh, that's Wait, generous. You're talking about what's the point of Christianity in general. Look at what Christianity No, what's the point the of Mormonism? No, Mormonism I think, is Christianity. No. But Mike, how about we phrase it this way? Do you think it's fair? There's going to be one person who is right at the gate. I'm using the gate analogy again. Getting And, and God's like, you know... I know you just got here and you didn't get to live on the earth and you just like fast tracked it. Um, it seems like your heart's in the right place. Why don't you come on in? And then there's somebody like you or me or whoever that likes born into the church has to like live perfectly to endure to the end for however many 70, 80, 90 years. Do you feel any resentment? Do you feel like the system is a little weird that one of us has to, and then, and then I've always heard the explanation that maybe those that, like the eight-year-olds or the seven-year-olds that get murdered or whatever are super, super righteous and they already did everything because they were the generals in the army before this life. But then that contradicts the other thing, which is that we're the chosen generation. So which is it? Like, am I the chosen one? Even though I'm the one who has to figure out how to fucking live this nightmare of a life in the Mormon standard for a hundred years? Or is it the murdered seven-year-old who gets a free pass because he did something previously? Like, I, I'm always confused. Well, I, I've heard like in the millennium, they're still going to have to prove themselves. Like... They get a certain buy, but they're still going to have to prove themselves that they're going to maintain a standard. Source? <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of where I... Because that's, that's, that's your source of truth is, is, is uh, basically um, arguments from authority. But this <laughs> is someone in authority said it, even if it contradicts someone else in authority who said something <laughs> different. <laughs> this do, you, is, do, you, do you see how that's problematic, Mike? <laughs> Well, it's a bit of a trump card. Pardon, I wish I could use that without it meaning something else, I guess, now. But, um, but, but, now, but, but the millennial was always like the, the thing that, that wiped away all the temple inefficiencies and the fact that people are getting baptized, dead people are getting baptized five times over because the church actually doesn't have a uh, thoroughly systematic way of double-checking duplicates and all that stuff. And then the answer is like, don't worry about it. Uh, it'll work itself out in the millennial, to which all this stuff just comes to the surface again that everything Glenn was saying and Randy, and it's like, well, then what are we doing now if the millennial is going to take care of it all? What's the point of the here and now? All, all the work still has to be done. 
but it's going to be done in the millennial, Mike. Then why don't we feed the poor today instead of <laughs> instead of doing these weird ceremonies? You're supposed to, to feed the poor. No, but you're not feeding the poor if you're in the temple. Which one is more important? Uh, you do the temple like get, on, on Saturdays? I'll get too righteous, Bob. <laughs> it's not like I feed the poor either way, but... Exactly. <laughs> Fair point. You feed the poor on Thursdays. You do the temple work yeah. on Saturday. At least I'm not in denial about feeding the poor, not feeding the poor because I'm doing temple work. No. <laughs> I'm just saying, what's the point of it all if it just gets fixed in the millennial? So all of it gets fixed in the millennial. So why do we have to do any of it now? Stop calling it millennial. 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 Millennium. 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 Guys, that changes everything. I'm so glad that you clarified in that manner. It just makes it sound like you know what you're talking about. We're just trying to help you out. (laughs) I let it go about five times. (laughs) I'm sorry, Bob. Your point is is good. (laughs) What is the point? If, if you just have this like, you know, fix it card. And by the way, a thousand years is not that long when you're dealing with a uh, hundred billion homo sapiens. I don't know. I guess you count Neanderthals. What about homo habilis, homo erectus? They're all degenerate uh, tribes. Australopithecus. They all, they all degenerated <laughs> after the flood. There you go. So they all count. <laughs> it's just. Actually, they could have degenerated in Adam's time and then been buried up in the mud. Or before the flood, yeah. Antidote. You want to finish off this one? (laughs) Well, that's easier than answering the question, so sure. (laughs) (laughs) The question, the answer to that is you're supposed to do the work now because if it's already been done, they don't have to fool with it in the millennium. And why would you want to save it, save people in the millennium from fooling with extra work that they're already going to have to do? They don't have to do it then if it's been done. But there's already so much that's going to be done. May as well just give them the rest of it. In the revelation recently added to our canon of holy writ, these words are found. Thus came the voice of the Lord unto me, saying, All who have died without knowledge of this gospel, who would have received it if they had been permitted to tarry, shall be heirs of the celestial kingdom of God. Also all that shall die henceforth without a knowledge of it, who would have received it with all their hearts, shall be heirs of that kingdom. For I, the Lord God, will judge all men according to their works, according to the desire of their hearts. There is no other promise of salvation than the one recited in that revelation. Those who reject the gospel in this life and then receive it in the spirit world go not to the celestial, but to the terrestrial kingdom. So I I just want to comment, you know, so you said that's like regular Christianity. Christianity is very divided about these kind of things. And so for a vast swash of evangelical fundamentalist Christianity, they are very consistent on, you know, like there's one way, one way, you know, Christ to the highway, you know, and so they'll, they'll all say John 3.12 or whatever really loud and there's only one and unless a person, so they don't, they don't have a back door for good Tibetan monks and all that kind of thing in yeah. their, in their system. So, I mean, and I'm not saying that that's where, where mainline Christianity or, or progressive Christianity is at all, obviously not, but there's a whole swash that isn't, that doesn't have a back door like this, so. Yeah, I got rejected on my mission at a door. It was a Catholic in Scotland, and he was angry about baptisms for the dead. And he screamed at me in my face inches away, the the road to hell is paved with the skulls of unbaptized children. And you guys are teaching people wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, everybody has different ideas, right? So I remember when I was a a kid and we watched... um, Return of the Jedi, my mom was really, really angry that... um, 
you know, somebody as evil as Darth Vader could have a deathbed repentance and then get into the celestial kingdom with Yoda. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. And, and so, you know, so they can, you can potentially do that in the Catholic church, but then, you know, and, but then this Catholic guy doesn't like that you're baptizing dead people. Okay. So, okay. So there's, I would say that there's a, there's a conflict between how people understand it. So. Right. So both of these, we're talking about sealings. Uh, Baptism for that is sealing people to Christ. And the, the first one that we did tonight was about sealing spouses to one another. So, John, what were you saying? Sealings, in your view, are, are not a thing? Well, I was just saying that because if people have a sense that your families can be together forever, that's like, in other words, how this is now marketed. I'm not saying it's maybe not a thing in the maybe the way you're saying, suggesting it, but rather the way the contemporary correlated church markets it, which is the idea that you're going to be together with your loved ones in the celestial kingdom. But given the idea here in this heresy that as since every single person is the um, author of their own destiny in a way, you know, any, you know, you can be sealed as a whole family and you're um, you know, we, we kind of already covered it, right? Cause you're saying, well, they're going to go into uh, you'll, Randy will be stuck in his dad's <laughs> I'll be in the I'll be in the servant as, as a eunuch, you know, angel or whatever. But any, but as but <laughs> you know, but but I was just saying that you know, in other words, it's functionally, um, if you're if you have done stuff so that you're destined for the celestial kingdom, you're not getting upgraded to the celestial kingdom just because you're sealed to somebody who's in the celestial kingdom. So but he'll be in your he'll be in his father's celestial kingdom. Okay. Oh, so, you, you so put me with Hitler, huh? <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> now, Hitler will be in his Roman, Mormon relatives' celestial, celestial kingdom. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's a new thing. I never heard of that. This new thing that you're, the way you're talking about it, Mike. So. But all of these things, see, part of his having to be tied to his father is he's going to bear testimony that my father taught me these things and I rejected them. All right. Yep. And those of us who, who obey, like, say, when I bear testimony of my father, I can say he taught me these things. I did them and I've been exalted because of it. So I can bear testimony of that. And, and so it, it shows the father's plan to be true. And all those that I'm tied to can say, say the same. So it will be a chain of testimony that these are our true principles and standards. Right. So I was just meaning it as a, um, from the standpoint of the marketing um, meme families can be together forever you know the idea that you, you are going to be separated even within let's say they're in a different kingdom even if it's the, the even if it's randy's father's kingdom right so you're, there is a separation there as opposed to you're all together in in the same heaven that's what I mean. right well, the idea, even if we were as normal Christian heaven is, is a place of total unity. So there is not actually separation. So you don't actually, in a normal Christian sense, there's no need for a ceiling because every, you know, the, everyone is unified in heaven. Well, even if I'm exalted, I'm not going to stay with my father in heaven. I'll be unified with him in, in thought and ideas. But the idea is that I go on to make my own heaven. So even if, if you don't even have visiting, out, you guys don't like meet up or visit or have like a little busy. weekend getaway. We'll have war dinners. <laughs> yeah. There'll be lots of celestial potatoes. What are they called? Funeral potatoes. So no, you really, but... <laughs> you believe, you believe in the multiverse or is it all within this one universe? The, the, you'll go on the to visible. handle your own spheres. 
the, the in, father has his fears. You'll have your sphere. Are those dimensions like multiple dimensions of? No, it's I think it's just a, a really cool euphemism for planet, because you know a planet is a sphere or system. But or where, system. where is Kolob and the planet God lives on? That's the oh, one that. Don't sets make the it time sound science others. fiction. Don't make it sound uh, like science fiction, Randy. Say spheres and near Kolob, and we don't know where God lives. But it's an actual star. Kolob is a star. And the and planet he lives on sets uh, the timetable for everything else. Orbits around for everything else. I thought it was just within this little sphere, the solar system. There we go. Sphere, spheres. That makes me feel better inside. Well, how big <laughs> is the sphere, Mike? You, 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 you implied earlier that the sphere is only the solar system. I think it would be the planet. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, solar system, planet, whatever. All right, so all of the the gods... Just say heavenly bodies. Somebody please that? say heavenly bodies. The, That's my the, favorite. Randy, it's the Oort cloud. The what? The Oort cloud. <laughs> I'm not a sci-fi nerd. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you that. So if you wanted to know, now you know. Everything under Every the influence of our sun. How about that? Everything you guys just and soon, and soon Voyager one is going to get out of the sphere, and that will totally screw up the entire planet's salvation. <laughs> <You know? laughs> John, have you read the accounts when Christ was explaining to the apostles how how the world was made? It ties in with Abraham's what is account. It? Wait, yeah, they, you're they, saying for the book of Abraham or the book of Moses? It's uh, the second book of Abraham. One of the, uh, is it the Apocalypse of Abraham? Of Abraham? Yeah, we need to do one. an Apocalypse of Abraham smackdown. Yeah, we definitely need to do one. that. There's another here. one that where Christ is speaking to the apostles, and he's he's telling the apostles what Abraham saw, but it's basically that they like you think of the asteroid belt. There was a sphere, and they they took the best of the material, and I guess it went through the sun, it went through whatever process to make the Earth. And he was explaining the whole thing to him, but what he told the apostles matched what he told Abraham. It's, it's pretty cool. So it's like, do you have any idea what the title of the text is? Uh, it's one of, like it's the apocalypse. Nibble, it's, it, it is called the apocalypse of Abraham, and Nibley did a commentary on it. Um, Mike and I have talked about it before years ago, but this is, this is fodder for future episodes. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I, I have it's it right just, here. I'm sure. So you know, mm -hmm. yes, I, I have I, probably so look it up. Yeah. It, but I think Nibley added a subtext of this is what Christ explained. Nibley. The same thing. Nibley. Nibley did some cherry picking. He was a Heavenly fantastic. He, no, he was a fantastic pseudo scholar. But to tie to what you said, it, it was the spirits, like when at, God commanded Christ, who commanded Adam, who commanded the people to make the earth. That was the process he was explaining as they gathered the material in this sphere to make the world we are on, and it went through the sun and the process to to purify it, to make it ready for this world. So when when Satan says in the temple ceremony. I am only doing what has been done on other worlds. Uh, what is he referring to? Other spheres? Um, well, yeah, other spheres. There's always chaos. How does he, there's always... Well, no, he, he, <laughs> he wasn't talking about chaos because he wanted power. He was talking about restoring order, right? Yeah, but that kind of order always breeds chaos. <laughs> but... But he knew he about what he was talking about. He was talking about these other, other groups of spirit children that were going through the mortal cycle. What, like what, so was this, cycle. 
in the pre-existence was this taught in gospel doctrine because yes. he was an intelligence just like us. Yes. So and, they showed so, they showed like uh, powerpoints of like yes. what happened in they other used, spheres. It was before powerpoints. They used flannel boards, but <laughs> but so here's what happened, Randy. Because Lucifer wanted to be Jehovah. Remember, he's like, send me. I'll do it. I'll save everybody. And everybody's like, no, we're not going to send you. And he's like, well, you know what? I've seen from those flannel board lessons that the person that introduces mankind to mortality becomes the god of that world. So I'm just going to do it. So I'm going to usurp it. I'm going to take it. It's consistent with his narrative arc in that story. And because he did it, he was cursed because he wasn't supposed to. It was supposed to be Jesus. Mike approves. Mike <laughs> approves. Yes. I love the flannel board. I just have flashbacks to my mission of doing that, the planet salvation. Oh, really? Out of all that, you took four. out the flannel board part? Come on. That's brilliant. Lesson I didn't know. Four, I, didn't know you were, the- I didn't know you guys. I didn't know, Mike, you were a Calvinist. Like Jesus was predestined to be the Savior. And, and Lucifer, like, was going against the predestination? No, they were all, they were all had free agency. But they oh, were obvious, they wow. the guys. how do you circle that square? It's going to be Christ or Adam, but Satan stepped up. With omniscience. <laughs> it even starts with an O, a circle word, circle letter. They were the noble and great ones. It was obviously going to be one of them. I, I think Mike and I would have a lot of fun as missionary companions. <laughs> You'd have a lot of fun. <laughs> I think I would have a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> except, except when I get, yeah, there would be times where it wouldn't be. <laughs> to, to me, this this fourth heresy is um, is another straw man, just like the third one mm. of people. Uh, like he 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 supposes that people out there think that. Um, just because they they're, the they're, the, they're in the true church, they've, they've gotten all their ordinances, um, they're good. Um, and, you know, they, they, they realize that they have weaknesses now because of the flesh of man, because of the natural man. But they suppose that in the next, like when they die and they just become a spirit in the spirit world, they're just going to like totally have a, a post-death bed repentance and i just don't think that i just don't think that this was like a problem i think it is a problem i think it's still a problem because a lot of people don't go three questions deep into why that's there well how fucking righteous are you mike (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm a mess but you're a mess and you're gonna be a god fuck (laughs) well it doesn't happen like okay i die and three days later it doesn't happen mike you could die to fuck you could die fucking tomorrow you could have a stroke or a heart attack tomorrow, but, but you still believe you die, that you're going to be a god. But then the millennium. It's not the millennium. No, then. there's no second chances. No, Mike, no but if you're he a has mess all that right time. now. Probation is now, and then the lesson goes on. The lesson it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't end at this life. The lesson goes on. I mean, think about it. We we talked about this last time. You have to learn how to resurrect your wife. You have to oh, learn god. that ordinance, that priesthood ordinance. The magic spell. <laughs> No, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna stand like what if your wife was evaporated in a plane crash then you have to pull her back together what you gonna go fly up in the thirty thousand feet it's a priesthood ordinance the same as commanding any other element 
Here's but you have, that's something you have to learn after this life. There's lots to learn. Here's the thing, Mike. How how good of a person do you think you are compared to the average? Well, that's everybody thinks they're better than average. Well, no. I want to hear. I want to hear Mike's. I want to hear what Mike's answer is. There's guys at work. How much good do you do in the world, Mike? Good do wow. I do? Yeah. This is getting. Uh, and how much harm do you do? I'm just. I'm talking about like becoming a god. And Mike thinks that, like, that he's not part of this fourth heresy because he's done the principles and ordinances, and he believes so that if he died tomorrow, he will be put in a special class of the afterlife. Whereas the Jack Mormon, he's fucked. Even if the Jack Mormon was kind of a cool guy, you know, he might have been a cool guy. He might have been a really good employee. He might have been a good coworker. Taking care of his grandma. Who knows? And maybe Mike's kind of an asshole that, you know, is a bigot. <laughs> and you fucking think you're better than the Jack Mormon just because you believe? No. If you can't say something nice. Nothing at all. I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm tone it down from here on out. <laughs> no, because I... I then, then why does it continue on for you after you die, and this guy doesn't get a fucking second chance, according to Bruce? Well, it, it depends on if they had the gospel taught to him or not. If they outright rejected it. Oh, you're talking about a Jack Mormon, so we would have had the lessons. Yeah. Uh, are, there, are there good Jack Mormons? His biggest sin is he yes, doesn't believe. His, like, if you're talking about damage to other people. No, he did biggest... believe. He did believe. Right? No, no. Oh, yeah, right. right, right, right. His, biggest sin... his biggest sin is that he did believe, but then acted against believing. That's the point, Randy. Worse than I, Hitler. I know. But still, what if he was, like, in every other way, a better person than Mike? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't because he, he had no. He had no, I'm giving a hypothetical. Own... He's, oh, a, he's, a a Jack Mor- he's a Jack Mormon who believes... Okay. If, if Bruce can make up people, I'm going to make up people. <laughs> no, I'm following you. I, I get what you're saying. The, uh, like I said, if he's doing the good deeds and he's being righteous, who knows why he turned Jack Mormon? Was, he, was, he, was there somebody that was... Maybe he just really liked beer. He really nope. likes beer. I'm, I'm voting for... What was it? The bucket of the neighbor's... What was the story? The milk, milk strippings. Milk strippings. Gosh, if he really liked more. beer, Randy, he's not doing the good deeds. <laughs> yeah, if, if the whole I thing know, was but... I wanted beer, that's a whole different thing than uh... coffee. No, what about coffee? What I'm saying is, yes, what if coffee. what if he what if he is a good husband, a good father, a good employee, a good coworker, uh, and he's and he's actually kind of generous with his friends. And then and I think, let's say let's say Mike is kind of a dick. <laughs> Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Mike believes he goes to church, he's got a temple recommend. Mike, after he dies, gets this pathway to improving where this Jack Mormon, because he knew it was true and liked beer more than that, but never other way was a good person doesn't he doesn't get that second chance there's no second chances i'm guessing if he liked beer more than that there's something else going on besides the beer well no no that's not the thought experiment <laughs> that's not the thought experiment you're judging we're talking about judging people's characters and there's a lot of nuances to it but the, i'm well, sure there's plenty that that are active members that do all these things but they're not doing the things they need to do to make the holy ghost sanctify them whereas other people are doing things that sanctify them without even knowing the law. What, what's the scripture from Paul? John, do you remember the scripture from Paul that they do 
the law, even though not they don't know it. I was just looking for some Paul scriptures because Paul is really, really clear that any all of this stuff about works. I mean, at, at a certain point, it, he he more or less is saying that if you are worrying about um, you know these kind of works things like this this little checklist, then then you then you've rejected you've rejected Christ, you know. And so anybody who is is imprisoned in law. You know, ha, you know, as far as Paul is concerned, has has missed the point, and Christ has died in vain for them. You know, so Paul is very, very strong. You know, as a as an all grace guy, and so all of this kind of work stuff. I mean, we've just been reading all the Pauline epistles. So that's what we're doing in Sunday school every Sunday, and he's he well, he's losing control of his congregations to uh, the Jamesian apostles, who are you know wanting people to continue to you know work on mosaic law and and he he just condemns it you know he more or less says if you if you if you think you're justified by works then then christ died in vain and that's what well, i like i like c.s lewis where the faith and works are supposed to be like a pair of scissors but if you're <laughs> if you're just if you're just jumping on all the yeah i've been baptized been to the temple i'm a good guy and then you don't do the things that people that are are not members of the church are doing that are super helpful and good and kind yeah that because the idea of it is that you will obviously do all of these good actions because you're a good person but none of those actions at all nothing you do none of that adds up to you know salvation so in other words none of those things you you, you don't do a checklist and that actually adds up to exaltation or anything like that the idea is that grace and uh, being, you know, being participating in the good, that level of ultimate, that level of infinite is impossible for mortals. We're all completely doing horrible things all the time. Randy's like saying, are you a good person? Are you, you know, we're all doing horrible things all the time, you know, and, and we're never ever, you know, being perfect. And there's all kinds of different ways, you know, that we just continuously fail and are selfish and all that sort of thing. And so the whole idea of, that Paul has here is grace is that this is an infinite gift because all of the different little things of works don't add up to a pile of squat. Nevertheless, you do them because that is what is good to do. So in that way, you're participating in the good, right? You really, you really have to do both. You have to do the works and you have to be living. But the works life. don't make give you salvation or exaltation. Correct. They just, they're a gate well, like we've been talking about. So, so Mike, like this is this is something like I even struggled when I was teaching elders quorum when I was teaching the high priest group. <clears throat> it, it was, uh, you know, you are saved by grace after all you can do. That's, uh, I believe, that's in um, Second Nephi. I think so. Yeah, there was a thirty-one. So, after all you can do, that was the key um, phrase. What is all you can do? <laughs> you know, that, well, that, 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 I, that, that, that changes was crazy making. Yeah. Well, how do you know that? I mean, life isn't fair. Everyone. I mean, how it's, do you know that though? It's really I mean, low for you, you know, Randy. You how can. do you know what your level of all you can do? Then the, 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 you know, the atonement picks up the rest. This is how it works. When you, when you're baptized, you get the gift of the Holy ghost. And if you're living a righteous life, I fuck, don't give me Sunday school lessons. No, like from the beginning, like I know this shit. Okay. That's how it changes for everyone. The Holy ghost will tell the you first, what you're supposed to be working on. The first four principles and ordinances of the gospel are first faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Second, yes. baptism. 
But Third? the revelation part, the revelation part. Second repentance. Is Third baptism. Second repentance. Oh, yeah. Thanks. For man. the remission of sins. Fourth, laying on of hands for the, hands the, gift, for the, of the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ghost. But the fifth the one. Well, Randy, the fifth, you, forget, you always forget repentance. No, but you forgot the fifth one. <laughs> the unspoken one is enduring to the end. Right. And that, that's where the revelation comes in. It's going to tell you what you as an individual are supposed to be working on to endure to the end. Everybody is different. Everybody's going to have some different thing they're supposed to be working on. So life isn't fair. What if you're OCD? Then he's probably going to tell you to calm down. What if you're autistic? What if you're clinically depressed? Then uh, the Holy Ghost is worthless. No, then the Holy Ghost tells you to learn something because (laughs) the best way to get over depression is to learn something. And that's what the Holy Ghost does. He's going to inspire you to learn things and improve yourself so you have a better outlook towards yourself. What, what, are, what are you trying to accomplish here, Randy? Are you, are you just having fun, like, sparring with Mike, and it doesn't really matter what it is? It's like, I'm going to throw this one at him. No, I get what, no, I get what exactly I'm talk, what he's talking about. I'm talking about, about like, because this, this comes from our first, the, the, the first podcast we did on the heresies, uh, was just the, the gap between what I knew I was as a human being. And I wasn't a bad person. I wasn't hurting anyone. Um, I wasn't abusive. I wasn't, uh, you know, uh, malicious, but I, you know, I just, I just knew that I was just a, just a a normal schmuck. I was just like everybody else. And yet I was supposed to think of myself as a God in embryo. You know, I'm, I, I'm not that special. I'm not oh, that come great. on, but if everybody is, then why do you think that you're so special? That's just what not, everybody yeah. That doesn't make any yeah. sense. Everybody's what are you talking about? If you're saying that everybody is a God in embryo, why does that make special. you more special than everybody else being a God in embryo? It doesn't make well, any sense. Because I was part of the chosen generation. I was born in a Mormon household under the covenant. Right. And I was where much is given, much is required. And, like, I just, you know, it, it, it goes in – it's part of the whole problem I had with like, if this is God's one true church, why are there so few of us in the world? Mm. Um, you know, what, what makes us special? I look, I looked around the, the, the congregation at the ward and I just like, I mean, it, we are not like head and shoulders above the rest of the community yet. We're the one true church. We were so special in the preexistence. We just weren't that special. And I didn't feel that special. And I just didn't, and I didn't see how, like, someone so flawed like myself, and I, I'm very honest with myself. I know my flaws, and I'm honest about my flaws. I'm not a narcissist. Um, I just, it just, the, the gap between what I was as a human being to becoming, like, a perfect God was so bizarrely unobtainable. It was I just don't think it's a healthy way to look at yourself and to look at the world. Well, you're asking what, what has Christianity done for the world is what you're asking. The principles and standards no. that you're supposed to uphold. He's saying Mormonism. He's That's not himself. even close to what the fuck I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But you are. You're asking what makes us special. Why are well, we but, so but, but, but why do you keep the... trying to lump yourself in with all of Christianity, man? They don't even like you. It's the Bednar style. Let me rephrase the question to something <laughs> that's more online with what I want to say. No, but it, it, it is a question. You're asking what makes Mormons special. Why are, why, why are we so different? We're not you're special. 
Well, let's go with that. Yeah, explain that. That's the the question. Yeah, the principles and standards of Christianity have made the world a better place. It it defeated paganism. It defeated. It brought culture and. Do you have any understanding of the fucking contribution paganism had on the Enlightenment and the Constitution? And the, you know, the, the entire momentum of Western civilization. That was Christianity. Greeks! The fucking Greeks were pagans! The Greeks were also Christians. So, you know, any, it's, not, I don't, I don't, not, I don't know. Plato, I don't, I don't, Aristotle, and Socrates. They were, they were, yeah, but they also, but they also were mon. Those guys were all monists, and they were all developing essentially the concept of God that ultimately gets adopted into Christianity. And they've had their work done. And they've had their work done. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think we have a really crazy idea that we have about um, antiquity. You know, we have this Renaissance idea about antiquity and the Middle Ages. There's all sorts of, you know, like way more. Um, there's, you know, people think that there's like the dark ages are somehow dark and there was a, a regression and all this kind of thing. Paganism, you know, is an ama- amazingly um, scary, dark, superstitious thing where you, ha- you constantly had to be worrying about like all of the different propitious things that you're doing. You know, like even people like Julius Caesar, you know, like at a certain point, you know, like, uh, you know, like his his mask falls off during a triumph. And so he has to himself, the most powerful man in the world, crawl on his knees up, a, up the, these steps of the Capitoline or whatever in order to propitiate Capitoline Jupiter. I mean, there's just all of this kind of luck stuff and everything that is going on in paganism. And we, we, we romanticize it because we think, oh, those guys could have sex all the time or something like that. But in fact, they, they, you know, there was actually all sorts of just these incredible, um, you know, worries about, uh, anything that you might do is going to cause ill fortune and all, all and all this kind of stuff. Paganism is a very, you know, is a kind of dark and sad, um, and brutal. Often, yeah. And then one of the reasons why, you know, um, the Roman empire, you know, by the, the second century is getting into this kind of, you know, dark milieu is that everybody has kind of adopted this sort of stoic stoicism becomes the most popular, uh, philosophy. And so they're just intensely fatalistic where they believe that the fates are, you know, so the gods are only so much of a chaotic force, but the fates underlying this are controlling all of destiny. And so they become, they become essentially determinists and they, and so the, and so stoicism teaches that all you can control is your own self and your own reactions to all of these things. And so it ultimately is a, it's a very negative, you know, philosophical system. So there is some advances that when that happen when people, you know, have a um, ha- adopt a uh, monotheistic worldview that um, that ha- includes participating in the good. Where the ultimate idea is that you want to, you know, actually like do good works for fellow beings and things like that, and that there's actually hope and that kind of thing. So I, I would actually say that you know that that. We, we romanticize paganism a lot, but, you know, it was a scary time for a lot of people. I don't know. So that, that's what makes you special and different. You're, you're adhering to principles and standards that make the entire world a better place when everybody starts to adopt them. When they, they think of serving one another and loving and forgiving and, and educating and, and raising everybody up in a positive light by, by, listening to what the Holy Ghost is telling you and making yourself a better person, helping others to do the same. 
That's what makes uh, you different and special. I'm also going to say this is not only true for Christianity. There's a there was a general um, there was a general po- period of time called the Axial Age where there's all sorts of reform religions that emer- that change paganism, right? And so this is when Buddhism emerges. This is when Confucianism and Taoism, you know, Islam ultimately is a le- one of the last ones, but Zoroastrianism was a very early one. And so this is when you switch from having paganism had been about um, ritual functions where you go and you sacrifice a, a beast or whatever in order to make sure that the sun comes up the next day and all this kind of um, ritual behavior that doesn't do anything ethically. But the same things that Mike is talking about that you know you do for Christianity, that's also true in Judaism, it's also true in Islam, in, in Buddhism. Uh, ultimately, Hinduism evolves out of Indian paganism in reaction to world religions, so it also adopts these kind of ethical considerations, Confucianism, Taoism. So in other words, all of these religions, you know, are concerned with these ethical things, and and so they're all doing those things. So it's not, Christianity isn't special in that way, I would say. But because you're a Mormon, you have the full truth, you can really (laughs) set things right. (laughs) Unless you have a historical perspective, and it's very clear that Mormonism is, it's crazy. (laughs) The idea that this is like the thing. Because if you look at it from the scope and breadth of the world and history and everything like that, this tiny provincial thing that is so dated to its own little time and place in history and is so sideshow, Bob, <laughs> I don't know. It's just so. It's more his, sideshow Mel. Sideshow Mel to history. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. You ignore that last part he said. You, you realize that you are special. Everyone is special. And, and like, what are the, what was the, is that is that from that's from uh oh no it's, a, it's a good it's a good place to end because we've come full circle from when randy said remarkable it's from the incredible <laughs> it's from the incredibles the i the, never the, said that the super villain yeah. in the incredibles <laughs> does um, everybody is special and that means no one is right that's what it is uh, <laughs> yeah. but you are randy <laughs> you just right. repent right. and set anybody else ready to wrap it up okay Sounds good. Oh, I'm sure my wife is. I think Glenn's been ready to wrap it up for about 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. There wasn't much in this one that really grabbed me. Sorry, guys. I had all these notes we didn't even touch on. I was uh, ready to go into the thank Abraham God. Covenant with it. The Ark of the Covenant? Like Abraham Indiana Jones? Covenant. Abraham. Oh, okay. Abraham Covenant. All right. Sorry, sorry. The purpose behind it, but we'll skip that. Dude, nobody wants to hear your Abrahamic covenant stuff, man. Again. <laughs> kind of do, but not right now. <laughs> I mean, you're sealed to your kids, but your kids are sealed to their spouses. It's, I don't know. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's like, we're not, my kids aren't going to forever be 10 and 11. Mm. <laughs> and we're in this happy little house. <laughs> it's, it doesn't make any sense, man. Cause I got a peaceful, easy feeling. Hi, this is Alan from Iraq, where beheadings over belief dwindling is still a thing. You can comment on this episode on the website infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the Quorum a five star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Not even you, John. Not even you. I'm going to make a fucking point. Because I'm tired of going... I'm making my point. Go for it.